It's Friday the 17th of November. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines. A new loss and damage deal. Climate justice is on the agenda at COP and for Greta Thunberg too. And here at home, a new Friends of the Earth poll is a temperature check on Irish public opinion about climate. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn and I'm joined today by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly for the fifth episode of our fifth season of the podcast. How are you both doing? Fantastic. Great, Dara. It's a pity it's not May, then it could be 555. Five, five, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, still here anyways and good to see you both. Um, it's a pity it's not 2005 and then it could be 5555. And then we could sort out the climate stuff as well. <laughs> we probably should stop this. Um, <laughs> we know climate change. Yeah. Uh, so, and before we go any further, just a reminder that if you want to support the work we do on the podcast, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com forward slash climate alarm. And thanks so much to Christine for the donation and the lovely comment keep up the good work always so grateful for the new insight and the little chuckle i get from listening so um as we mentioned last episode for the rest of the season we're going to be joined by some very special guests and we're trying to talk to people who aren't necessarily known for talking about climate change and we're doing this just to normalize climate conversations we know 70% of Irish people are worried about climate change, but loads of people never talk about it. So we're trying to normalise that one special guest at a time. And I am so thrilled that our special guest this week is Ty Kiki. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm just <laughs> celebrating here in the background. So I, just, <laughs> I, just love, I just love to hear my name. Sorry. <laughs> and if you don't know who Ty is, before we even uh, get, it get together. chatting to him... Uh, if you don't know who Tig is, you can have a listen to this sketch of his. Here are some of my very top tips that we can all utilize if we're to truly work together to save our planet. Number one, recycle. I know it's an obvious one, guys, but please do make sure that you are conscientious with your recycling. Number two, eat in season. A small change with a very big impact. Number three, wake the fuck up. There are mass forest fires, lethal floods and crops shriveling all over the world. And not just in brown and black countries that rich people hate, that their ancestors looted, but in Western countries that they like and live in. And is this your fault because you forgot to put out your recycling bin last Tuesday night? No, it's the fault of the 1% who are just laughing at us. The rest of us are told that we must reduce our carbon dioxide emissions to two tonnes per person per year if we are to reach global targets. And yet Roman Abramovich used 34,000 tonnes last year to run his private gigantic yacht. And it's not just the direct impact of the super rich. It's the way in which they use political and cultural power to block effective change. Did you know that the idea of the personal carbon footprint was created by an oil company? They're trying to transfer blame to us to make us consumers rather than citizens who might organise themselves and agitate for political change. So shove your carbon taxes up your arse. They just hurt poor people. What we need is wealth taxes. What we need to do is to take the yachts and jets off the billionaires. What we need to do is get rid of billionaires. What we need is a revolution. And number four, tote bags. <laughs> <laughs> that tote bags line gets me every time. Uh, Tyg, you're so, so welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock. You're so sincere in that tag. That's the, that's the best part is the po face, you know, recycle. You know, it's brilliant. I like a tote bag myself as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we might, we might put one out. We'll put out a, a Ty Kiki Climate Alarm Clock collaborative tote bag. <laughs> Kick up the arse. <laughs> Maximum damage. Uh, not very useful. That, that'd be me. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no, we're really, really delighted to have you. So um, for anyone who doesn't know Tyke, he's a comedian, a social commentator um, from Cork. Self-described as a comedian, actor, writer, musician, voiceover artist, political animal, ferret, um, alcoholic and general morale booster around Cork. His hard-hitting, <laughs> hysterical sketches annoy all the best people. Um, so, Tyg, uh, really great to have you here. Um, can you tell us a little bit maybe about 
you know, what what got you into the sketches in general or what kind of has brought you to the topic of climate change? Yeah, no problem. I can actually pretty much remember the moment uh, and it was kind of probably about last year, I'd say, to my eternal embarrassment because as you might have gathered from the sketches, I'm obsessed with history. I'm obsessed with colonialism particularly. But for some reason, and the reason is definitely due to the fact that I'm obviously an idiot, I never really made the connection between colonialism and the climate crisis. Like it seems so obvious to me now, but I never made that connection before. You know, I I, I looked at things exclusively through the prism of uh, the, the lack of justice and the lack of fair dealing and the lack of understanding and education about colonialism really affects us today. So it would bother me, for instance, that you know, obviously I hammer the Brits a lot, but of course it's not a Brits problem. It's a, I think it's a European problem. It's an American problem. Um, like even if you park the Brits for, for, for a moment, like France has such an obvious problem with racism that it doesn't understand because it doesn't understand or accept or even entertain discussing its colonial past. The horrors that went on in Algeria are no one's business. Like I remember reading about the French colonial project and kind of thinking I've been way too hard on the Brits I feel terrible like they, they can't even compete with the French so I had all that kind of stuff going on and I was doing sketches that I felt were kind of like you know speaking truths to power and do my little bit and then I went to see I went um, to a, a left block uh, festival on Inish, Inishmore last year I think or was it maybe the year before but anyway there was a lecturer there Paul O'Connell from I think he's in the University of Manchester uh, he's a dub, like he's pure ordinary dub. So I just kind of got on well with him. And uh, but he just basically gave this lecture on the connection between capitalism, colonialism and the climate crisis. And I literally felt like like hitting my head off the desk. I was like, how has this never occurred to me before? How it maybe hasn't occurred to me before, um, though, is I think I had. And again, this is my issue. This is not the issue. This is my issue. I always thought the climate crisis thing was for middle class people. Um. Mm. I grew up in an ordinary background where it felt like people who were concerned about animals and the climate, they were luxury items. Um, I'm not making myself out to be Oliver Twist, but like it felt like the people around me were trying to put food on the table and um, trying to look after their families and their own problems or whatever. And, and again, Paul was an ordinary dub kind of saying it won't be middle class people that are going to lead the charge of this it needs to be all of us or not just middle class people. He's not saying that people aren't welcome to do their bit, but, and then I kind of just, I suppose it all clicked then. I was just kind of thinking, yeah, sure. It's, it's the poorest of the poor that are affected the most. It's the global South that are affected the most. It's, it's the poor people in Britain and Ireland and America that are affected the most. So, um, so yeah. And I think it's just part of this kind of propaganda that we, we were talking about before we kicked off that it kind of makes you feel, maybe that's the way the Tories do their business as well. They kind of say like, it's the Greta Thunbergs. It's the, it's a, it's the just stop oil people are kind of they're not the they're not the man on the street in the way that Rishi Sunak is supposedly the man on the, on the street. So that's a long garbled answer by basically saying or, or trying to say, I can't believe I didn't see it before, but now that I do see it, I feel it should be connected to everything that I try to do, not just with the sketches, but work, with work generally. Because I suppose I'm I'm concerned with injustice is the thing that would like motivate my comedy bizarrely like <laughs> not like I, there's not many laughs in that most people would think but I think there are so with the satire going forward I'd like to play my tiny tiny little role in raising awareness as I suppose is a kind of a weak way of, of of putting it for the climate crisis but uh but yeah 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 no great thanks a million. I think it's I'm probably the opposite in that. Like I came to the climate stuff and then realized afterwards how it was connected oh, to yeah. <clears throat> to all the other stuff. And I think that is the big thing is making those connections, you know, like mm. between all these kind of social justice uh, issues is like making those connections is what is actually going to bring about change. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see the sketches. And I was saying before we started that, you know, the satire cuts through a lot of the nonsense sometimes like sometimes mm. the, the messaging can be a lot more clearly communicated through through little through little sketches than uh than a news roundup can do i think so and like just one other quick thing on it like i was just thinking you know you, you guys and i say you guys as if i'm on a different team but of course i'm not on a different team and that's the point of what i was trying to say at the start but traditionally i would have thought like i'm a 
I'm uh, bringing awareness to the the working class struggle and the colonial struggle guy. And you guys are climate guys, right? <laughs> That's the way I would have thought. But what I'm really seeing lately is that like we're both sharing the same issue of trying to break through the propaganda and try to undermine the propaganda. So we'll probably get into it later. But like, you know, what's going on in Gaza at the moment, like is an information war. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not primarily when people are dying, but like the information war is what we're dealing with over here in the comfort of our own homes and Zooms and stuff. So, um, and I can see everything that I'm reading uh, and looking at in the climate thing. It's the exact same issue. Like, Absolutely. can you break through the, the, yeah. the, the, the propaganda, you know? So it's, and those tools, I think are, we can share those tools. And I suppose if you bring someone like me in, who's looking at it through the prism of colonialism, that can only be a good thing. It's like trying to find, yeah. like, how would you get someone excited by it? Yeah. And all I, someone had to say, if someone said to me 10 years ago, like, this is all founded on colonialism, I would have been a founding member of this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you're yeah. welcome to come back anytime, Tag. But, um, yeah, but, but I, I mean, I, it's, yeah. a very, it's a very interesting point. And even what's going on at the moment, what we're seeing is epic gaslighting mm. um, Correct. slash misinformation. But that's what we've been seeing in the climate movement for I decades yeah, from yeah. the oil and companies was, yeah, yeah. Um, and much, from governments. Yeah. But I actually think the gaslighting we're seeing at the moment is so blatant that it's losing its effectiveness because people are going, because you can see from the people on the streets and so on that they're not buying it. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's even tough for satirists. Yeah. The level of gaslighting at the moment, like I'm trying to make a sketch at the moment uh, lampooning the gaslighting and everything I can think of has already been included in yeah, the thing it's itself. Yeah. It's hard. They've already done it. Like they've already gaslit themselves. Like <laughs> One thing that you said, I know we want to get into our stories, but one thing that you said, Tyke, was that you were, when you went to that talk and you were saying, oh my God, how did I not recognise the correlation between all of these things? Like I'm an idiot. And actually on that, I think it's so important just to kind of come back on that and be like, actually, there's a very good reason that that correlation wasn't so apparent. And I think that a lot of us um, go through those things of being like, oh my God, I'm an idiot that I didn't know this. And there's so many things. One of the things, it's so funny that you're like, this guy like uh, adds this podcast, we're the group of climate guys. And I'm still <laughs> in this group being like, I don't know how I'm here. So it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. that thing of like, you're constantly like finding out, oh, this thing that I thought was right is wrong now and then you're having to be like go through an emotional process but it's really important I suppose just for anyone listening who might be kind of being like anything that we've just said they're like what I'm an idiot instead of like being like battering yourself emotionally about it I think it's actually really important to remember that when you go off now into the world and you now have this new knowledge and you come across somebody else who doesn't have that new knowledge to stop to not be like what an idiot. And to just kind of always remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like last week, I didn't know that. I think that's something that can actually be really difficult when you kind of dive into the realm of any kind of activism, but particularly the climate space, in my experience. Very often people can be like, how did you not know that? And like to just always remember that. <laughs> actually, Kira, we've apologized. So, I didn't know. We, we know better now. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I want to remind you. <laughs> and no, don't put true, your yeah. tea bags in the compost. That's my <laughs> <laughs> point. <laughs> no, that's very true. All right. Um, will we jump in then to the first story? And we are going to very much be starting with the whole um, topic of climate justice in the lead up to COP28. So Anna, do you want to get the ball rolling there? Sure. Um, as I know, we all know, COP28 is starting soon in the United Arab Emirates of all places. Um, and one of the big news ahead of COP28 has been the a new loss and damage deal. Um, so Kira, I know you're going to ask what's loss and damage. Um, I might even ask what's cop, but anyway, let's start with loss and damage. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with what's cop. Um, so what's, cop climate? <laughs> what's climate? <laughs> Who are we? Where are we? Um, COP28 is the conference of the parties and it's where the countries from around the world get together to solve all of our climate problems. Um, and COP28 is promising to bring the world together at a critical moment for global transformative climate action, um, which would be great if all the other COPs, because as you can tell, this is COP28, there have been 27 other COPs, it would be great if any of them had achieved that. But they've made some progress on some things. But one of the weird things about COP28 is that it's in the UAE and the president of it 
is Dr. Al Jaber, who is a CEO of an oil company. So you've got a CEO of the Emirates Oil Company, who's now the COP president, um, which you talk about, we talked about gaslighting, and that's just, yeah, it's hard to get your head around sometimes. And then one of the weird things on the website is they talk about a world of actionists. They can't bring themselves to say we need activists, but they've got, we need actionists. <laughs> so apparently that's people like us. We're actionists now, you know. So um, so that's COP and they're all getting together very soon um, for a lot of talking and hopefully some agreement. Um, and then going back to loss and damage. So they reached an agreement a few weeks ago ahead of COP28. And actually Ireland played a leadership role in the negotiations. Um, and so what loss and damage is, it's recommending a fund be put in place to help the most vulnerable countries and regions that are affected by climate change. So to compensate them for the loss and damage that they've experienced. Um, and the idea, surprisingly, is that the most, the richest countries would pay more to help the poorer countries. And, you know, obviously that links back to what Tig was saying about colonialism because the richer com countries have benefited mm. from the damage done to the poorer countries. So a new guideline was put in place, and but the US stopped it at the last moment and wouldn't agree to it, which is, again, very common for the US to put a halt to some of these things. So there was some controversy about it. Um, but it has actually been agreed finally, the US finally agreed that it would sign up to the loss and damage fund um, head of COP28. So that's kind of what's going on with that. Um, and, you know, there's obviously a lot more to it than that as well. Yeah. But it's been a torturous um, set of negotiations to get to that point. Yeah, so, so are I, you thread that line with a good bit of pessimism? Like, I can't tell if you are think this is a positive or a negative story. Mm. <laughs> um, I think the loss and damage fund is really, really important, and it's and it has to happen. But the bigger developing countries have been putting the brakes on it for a long time, and there was uh, a fund. There was a fund agreed in Glasgow, I think, that never got spent. Um, okay. You know, so. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. really important. And I think the other thing is is that whether it's going to be sort of uh, obligatory um, yeah. for the countries, you know, how much they're actually going to have to give. Because the, the idea underlying this is is really rooted in climate justice. It's that the, it's that the countries who have done the most damage uh, yeah. by way of emissions are going to pay the countries being affected the most. And so in the lead up to it, like you said, Anna, that... Ireland played a leading role and in the lead up to it Eamon Ryan was saying things like there should be a global levy on aviation and maritime companies should be paying um, and he also said a, a global obligation should be put on fossil companies to invest in clean energy so they're all the things that the loss and damage fund should do I think they're all good ideas but as we always see with the cops is in the lead up or towards the end of COP or towards the end of these negotiations, the rich countries kind of put their foot down and say, well, we're going to do this, 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 but we're not going to actually give you everything that you want. And then inevitably the global South countries say, well, something is better than nothing. And they kind of agree to it. So, uh, yeah, I think we Can just I have to wait question? and see. Yeah. I, I just want to know from you guys, the, the loss and damage, like how is it framed? So is it framed that you know, you are poor and we are rich. So out of some sort of moral duty, we're going to like cover more of the costs. Or is it framed in a way of we stole from you, like, you know, to build our wealth and our industrial revolution. So it's your money effectively. You know, I think that's really crucial in terms of breaking down the propaganda as well. Because like if the average yeah. person on the street in America or here is like, oh my God, we've got to give those poor countries more money. Like, why don't they stop electing such corrupt governments and just sort themselves out whereas if it's like an open discussion about colonialism and you know the looting that went on then you see that it's the, the it's it's a moral it's more than a moral burden it's a duty you i love know? this question yeah <laughs> well i mean to, to respond to that yeah i mean they i mean they talk about donor countries you know so yeah i think yeah. the thing that underpins all of this is is this is this phrase of uh, common but differentiated responsibilities. Oh, that's yeah. kind of that's in, in the place of kind of just history or or that kind of moral obligation. It's that talk of common but differentiated responsibilities. That's kind of what. What does that mean? 
it means that everyone has the responsibilities to. Um, we're all in this together. Everyone we're all has, in this together. Everyone has the responsibilities to reduce emissions and stop climate change, but the the responsibilities are differentiated so that the countries that have done the most damage and the richer countries should be doing more. Yeah. So that is there, but it's not. It's not but, but Ty, overly to linked you. to justice, and it's definitely not linked to colonialism. Yeah. And even yeah. getting that much in there was a massive, massive battle. Um, yeah, but just to give you a hint of how this has been thought about, the fund that they're talking about, the US has insisted that it be housed at the World Bank. So the developing right. countries are not happy about that at all for obvious reasons. Um, not obvious reasons, why? Oh, sorry, sorry, uh, Kira. Um, <laughs> so the, you know, the World Bank is associated with... Um, High interest loans to developing countries to control, okay. um, you know. So and there's a the whole lot. And of the president of the World Bank is appointed by the U.S. Yes, the okay. World Bank is basically a U.S. institution. So the U.S. is hesitant to be part of loss and damage, and then wants the U- the World Bank to administer it. So, um, so it's definitely basically a very another much way for the Western world to benefit off. Yeah, well, just to have more control. Yeah, yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay, carry on, Anna. As you were. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, so someone at Climate Action Network International, Harjeet Singh, said it's a somber day for climate justice um, when the World Bank is involved in this. So, yeah. So, it's to answer your question, Kira, loss and damage fund is really important, but it's not. You know, it's kind of let, let's see how it plays out, and will it really deliver anything? For yeah. the yeah, countries that need so it. Idea is good, execution questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, which is always the way. You know, like that's the real frustration is you can see, oh, this is a thing that could make so much difference and so much impact. And then you kind of, you know, then you start to see the pattern of, but it's probably not going to because there are so many sort of people acting in bad faith and, and yeah. But it's, do you think, like, do you agree that it is very important for the public to understand why? You know, so like yes. if you're if you're if you're someone just tells you like we well, just got to help out this lad up the road there he's he's not doing well like you just got to go to his house and help him out all the time there like and you're like really resentful of it because you're like why doesn't he just get himself together you know he's why am I burdened with this lad I don't know where I'm going with this now by the way guys this could be a horrific <laughs> analogy it's because um, your mansion is um was stolen yeah. from him that's why yeah exactly like, yeah. like yeah, if yeah, you yeah. don't and I think that's my own pet uh, my own petty grievance with a uh, with that kind of stuff is like. If you were to break through that aspect of the propaganda to really understand, but then that would need a kind of a global conversation about about theft, like and about yeah. looting, I yeah. suppose, which is going to be hard to but have. But I always think with those arguments, like, does it have to be that you rob someone? Like, can't you just be sound? Yeah, no, no, but uh, no, but I, but I do, I, I, I do agree with, I do agree with Ty in that, like, you can just be sound, but then if we undergo hardship here, then you're like, okay, well, we've been sound to those for a while, but now we actually need the money for ourselves here. Yeah. Whereas the idea. Oh yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. Whereas the, I think the thing with climate justice is, like, it's it's really, it's really simple on one level, you know. So you'll say. Like we need, we need climate justice. Climate justice is basically that the people who have done the least to cause this are being affected the most, and the people who have done the most to cause it are affected the least. And you say that, and if you'll say that sometimes to people in Ireland, they'll say, "Ah, yeah, but sure, we're only a small country. What about we have? And sure, we haven't. And sure, we have. And sure, we haven't done that much. You know, even though Ireland is second highest emitter in Europe, and you know, per person, second highest emitter in Europe, and so, so." It's easy to get that message across in one stage, but it's also so easy for people to be like, ah, yeah, but sure, that doesn't apply to me. You know, or yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, sure, but sure, we're not a colonial country. So, you know, we, we, were, we weren't colonizers, so, so we haven't benefited, you know? Uh, so it's, yeah, it's also yeah. really easy for people to deflect. Um, so like if I, your average person on the street in Britain, for instance, w- got the understanding that like, no, we, we're not helping out Indians because you know, they're back with their begging bowl and we've got to support them again. Now, like, we need to do it because we looted $45 trillion from them to fund the Industrial Revolution that kicked off this whole nightmare. Do you know, like, if that was if that yeah. was generally yeah, yeah. understood, it might it might make a difference. I think. Oh, I think yeah, so. If you, call, yeah, if you yeah. called it reparations as opposed exactly, to, yeah, yeah, you know, I was going to say that alone, yeah. you know, um, exactly, yeah. And actually, it was very interesting to see this week um, our hero Greta Thunberg um, was. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. There was a big protest in 
the Netherlands and she was on stage really making it clear that there's no climate justice on occupied land. And she's been very brave about this. Mm. Um, she invited a Palestinian and an Afghan uh, woman on stage, shared Brilliant. some of her time with them to give them a voice, which is, you know, just powerful, I think. Um, yeah. But then she got attacked. I don't know if you saw that. A guy, a, somebody said, a middle-aged white guy jumped up on stage and said, I'm here to talk about climate, not politics. And um, <laughs> took the mic God, off I think her, that like, impression has got to go down well. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> it's my best, it's my best, my best, actions. That's pretty good. From a guy who can't do accents, I was like, whoa, okay. If you need a collaborator there, Ty. <laughs> Um, I got so some Dutch stuff actually in the vault, <laughs> <involved>, yeah. <laughs> I worked with Dutch people. Um, but yeah, so he took the mic off her and said, I don't want to talk about this, but she was very clear and there's no climate justice on occupied land. So she's completely made that link back to what's going on in Gaza mm. and Palestine, which I, th I think is it's very powerful to hear from someone with, with the platform that she has. Absolutely. It's actually, like if what you we're think about our, it, there was... Oh, go go on. On. No, go on here, sir. Well, I was just going uh, it's like, actually, if you think about it, there were 70,000 people there at that um, protest, wasn't there? So if you think there's people, like there's likely going to be people in the audience who, like we were saying at the start, didn't realise the correlation between climate justice and yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. social justice. So like, that's actually really, really yeah. impressive. And get, and getting away the, from that yeah. desire to like strip things, you know, into their little yeah. boxes. I'm happy with this box, but I don't want that box and stuff. Like it's yeah. impossible to separate them, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and like as I was saying at the start as well, you know, I came, I came to all these issues from the climate perspective. So, like, there would have been times where I, not that I would have gotten on stage and taken a microphone off a teenager, but there would have been times where I wouldn't have understood. <laughs> Glad to hear that, Dara. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from the teenagers, okay? We'll, we'll, all, rest, we'll all rest well tonight. No, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> But there would have been times where I wouldn't have understood the connection, you know, um, yeah. <clears throat> for sure. Uh, and it's great to see her evolution because she's just becoming more radical as she goes on. Um, you know, she's just making all the connections that need to be made. And and she's so willing to put herself on the line. And she's up in court, I think, this week in the UK after being yeah, arrested Yeah, she's been there. charged. I saw yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I, think I, yeah. but I think it's that case of the longer you're in it, the more you realise we actually can't you know, we can't solve any of the issues without solving all of them. That's yeah. the that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, then the next story um, is looking at a poll that came out that the Friends of the Earth carried out with Irish people, and the results were published in the last week or so, um, and some really interesting findings in there. So the big finding uh, is that. Almost two in three people, 63% of people, are more worried about the impacts of climate change than they were two years ago. And by age, which is very interesting, the over 65s were the most likely to be more worried. And then the other big finding, which I find a bit confusing myself, 46% of people think the government is not doing enough fast enough to cut Ireland's pollution. But 27% think that the government is doing about, about the right amount. And 26% think that they are doing too much too fast. Um, which it kind of comes they, back to They that answered thing. from their cars. But it kind of comes yeah. back to what you were saying about propaganda or media at the start, Tyke. Like, yeah. Because it's there's so much stuff in the media of like, oh, they're going to take away your SUVs or they're going to do this or they're going to do that. And they haven't actually done anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you, but, could, you could retitle that survey as like, how effective has the propaganda been? Yeah. Like, that's what it really means. Like, isn't it? Like, how scared are you after getting people? You're, you're after getting a quarter of people quite scared. Yeah. Fair play, like. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, but, because, but also the demographics in that question are, are brilliant because students and younger people are way more critical um, while people over 65 are least likely to voice a criticism. Um, and women are more critical as well. So women are coming out very strongly in this, actually. And throughout the survey, the differences has been more um, pro-climate action. Um, yeah, so it's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, like for me, it just shows, uh, you know, that I, I, I can't get over that 26%. Uh, think yeah, why are you said you're confused by those stats? Why? Because a quarter of people think that the government are doing too much too fast oh, yeah. when it comes to climate. Um, 
which. But that's the Fine Gael voters. I mean, there's, there's mm. Fine Gael and some Fianna Fáil. Like 20, there's twenty percent. Yeah, but like I'd love, but I'd lo- I'd love to find out like what what are we doing? Like what like what are these things that we are doing? It's the war on cars, too- Dara. But you're coming yeah. at this from the idea that. Everyone knows as much as you do or is interested. Yeah, but and like I, no, for I, me, that makes sense. But but, like, what, I think that's but, that makes but sense. can you give me an example of what has been done that is too much, too fast? That's but my... that's that's your coming at it from there. Actually, looking at this logically, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> the it's the the way in which it's framed as well, isn't it? So like, say if there's an independent article that's kind of doing the rounds and it's framed in a way of you know they're going to take their your cars off you or you know doesn't George Monbiot talk about this kind of thing of framing it that everyone's trying to take stuff from you rather than yeah. the opportunities. Um, yeah. So I can believe that qua- like the quarter of people have, I, I, as you say, like I'd love to drill into what it was exactly. I'd imagine that it's some article that then became uh, an, an, an episode of Joe Duffy where people are talking about like, look, things are moving too fast. They're taking everything away from us. There'll be a portion, not all as well, but there'll obviously be a portion of farmers that will feel that way, I'm sure. So if you yeah. combine yeah, the yeah. farmers... Uh, aggravation with someone saying oh look they're just taking all the stuff that we you're just killjoys also I think it feeds into this thing that you're getting in the UK at the moment which is a kind of a you know the culture war has now subsumed the climate thing as well so it's like you know that all nuance is dead like so you're you're either over here with over here is like business Israel um, you know and then over here is like Palestine wasters hippies climate stuff so it's a kind of a, it's a sweep of dismissal, like, you know, that you're just over here. And the, it's just more woke nonsense, really, yeah. is the climate stuff, I think. And that's, yeah. I think that's feeding into Ireland a little bit as well, unfortunately, that kind of thinking. Yeah, I, th- yeah. And I think what you're saying there, um, that actually it's that 26%, you know, there should be a lot of attention being paid to that and trying yeah. to figure out why that is, that is like that. Um, because as you say, like, it has probably become a culture war thing. It has become that kind of Joe Duffy sensationalism. And that really needs to be, um, really needs to be dealt with in like, a, in a sort of progressive way. But also like, you know, people need to understand, I think, and we need really clear communication on how bad things are going to get, you know? Um, because in the context of how bad things are going to get we can't do too much too fast yeah. uh, you know yeah. we'll be, like that would be my that would be my uh, view on it um really interestingly then from the same poll they were asked to rate each party leader out of 10 where 10 is strongly prioritizing the response to climate change and uh and the results are as follow so this is how people rated the leaders of each party out of 10 in terms of prioritising climate change. Eamon Ryan, 6.5. Holly Cairns, 5.3. Micheál Martin, 4.9. Richard Boyd Barrett, 4.7. Ivana Bacic, 4.7. Leo Varadkar, 4.6. And Mary Lou Macdonald, 4.1. I have to say personally uh, that the Irish public have sort of <laughs> sided with me in that I very regretfully say that of the leaders of the three big parties, Micheál Martin is the one who I feel gets climate the most, <laughs> as much as it wow. pains me to say it. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that's, you know, I think that has been borne out in this poll as well. Yeah. Although to be fair, they're all pretty bad. I mean, you know. Yeah, but which I think is correct. I mean, in the poll, you know? I mean, between the, the difference between 4.9 and 4.6 is, I don't know if it's statistically yeah, yeah. meaningful or not, but, yeah. um, and, and it's interesting to see Mary Lou McDonald at the very bottom, which, I, but I, think it does reflect that you know what comes out of Sinn Féin in terms of you're not hearing much from them about climate change yeah I'm so surprised at that though that like I'm not surprised because I think she's good or that Sinn Féin are particularly strong in it that's not the issue at all but because they're so savvy you know like the one thing yeah. that they are is so savvy and they've they've acquired this youth vote that's so tenuous you know like there's nobody voting for Sinn Féin I would say 18 to 22 or 3 that has like an inbuilt absolute passion for a United Ireland. They're voting in their 20s for housing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it's mostly young people, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's mostly young people that would, um, that could lead the charge of this. So why they're not making it. A, but again, I think that comes back again to 
some people are better or worse at breaking through the propaganda. And maybe Sinn Féin are at the point where the climate thing is very strong in people's minds at the moment in terms of the propaganda is very strong. So they're not going to jump onto that ship just yet. When the tide turns, they will jump. Yeah, I you hope know? so. But yes. I mean, 70% of the youth are, the youth in this survey are have it as a high priority for themselves. So, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Sinn Féin want to consolidate that base. They they really should be looking at it yeah. more. And they have some very good people. Like Lynn Boylan is very good. Yeah, Lynn is amazing. Um, I know Lynn very well. She's brilliant. Yeah, but I mean, but as a party, they're definitely not emphasizing it. As yeah, much. I agree. it does. It, I and agree. it feels, it feels I, I, I agree with it. It feels like a missed opportunity, you know, because obviously they do, you know, they would really have to cut through, like, and that is the hard thing about being strong on climate, is you have to, you have to work really hard to just establish this is an important issue and this is an emergency yeah. because you're swimming against the tide even trying to get that out. So it takes really, really good messaging to actually be able to get a strong climate message out that people can get behind. But I just think it, from their perspective, it will be, you know, it, it, yeah, it probably feels too risky, like you were saying, Tyke, at this moment in time for them to take it on because it could backfire if they get the messaging wrong. I think what they've always struggled with as well, I know a good few people in the party, like particularly in the North, and it's such a melting pot of different backgrounds and ideas yeah. and stuff. You yeah. know, they're trying to keep so many different factions together. Like if they also get in on the the climate change thing, as it'll be seen, then you'll be back into the 25% will grow, I think, because it'd be like, oh, Sinn Féin are hammering it now as well. It all comes down, I yeah, think, yeah. doesn't it? Like to framing it, like when you were saying earlier, you know, um, framing it in a way of like, this is not okay, it's a crisis. We all need to be active, but that's not a bad thing. Like we're trying to save the, the place that we live. You know, it's yeah. it's the framing yeah, yeah. of the story is so important. Like that's and that's what the great propagandists, um, they do so well, unfortunately, is that they frame the story as as if like people are taking things from you as yeah, opposed yeah. like trying to and save your fucking simple. life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 the fact you know that it's like our lives should be better after it. You know, after the change, yeah. we should have cleaner air, healthier exactly. healthier yeah, diets, yeah. Uh, more equal society. You know, less less less, Le- less billionaires in the global and, south. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and on that, actually, I think the one person who I think is totally, um, or who I totally disagree with with their placement on that uh, rating will be Richard Boy Barrett. You know, I think cl- I think generally speaking, people before profit are quite strong on climate. Yeah. Have brought I forward. thought you were going to say your friend Leo, Darren. <laughs> 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 uh, no, no, definitely, definitely not. Um, he, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, uh, I, th- I, I would have put him lower um, definitely yeah like yeah. you know I don't I, I don't think there's much between himself and Mary Lou no. um, just maybe Leo gets more opportunities to talk about it where yeah. he has to yeah. talk about it say, and someone yeah. has written a speech for him about it um, but I really you know but he's I mean, you know he's actively against climate action like he's the one parroting parroting Ryanair's talking points and you know calling for more flights to Dublin airport and so on I mean and he actively comes out against it so how he even got to four out of ten I don't know but um, totally like Leo's business first like he's yeah. absolutely business first I think and Darren you can't voted for him like six times <laughs> <laughs> are you good buddies Daria? Uh, well, I was I was saying before before we recorded, Tyke, we have um, we have sensitive topic, Tyke. Uh, I basically I basically think he's more ignorant than than malicious, and Anna thinks the opposite. But uh, well, I think it's it, both. It, it, it is both. It's just a question of how much of of each. But to the point that uh, a listener actually actually called me the worst thing I've ever been called in my life called me a finnegaler there a couple of weeks oh, ago yo. <laughs> no man I'm called a lot of things online but I wouldn't take that <laughs> it, it might even have been a listener related to me so um, I was asking was wondering <laughs> I think he's I think he's more malevolent than ignorant I have to say but the big thing about him is I think he sho- he shows his the mask drops a lot and yeah. it's it's an ideological thing with Leo. I always think. Yeah. So yeah. like you you can see when 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 you get to the nitty gritty that he he kind of loathes the poor, for instance. You know because he's been brought up to kind of believe that he's just worked hard. So why doesn't some lad whose you know parents have passed away and is addicted to heroin when he's sixteen, he just needs to work harder as well. 
Yo, he just doesn't understand. Leo. Yeah, he's like, he just doesn't understand. Recently, yeah, he, I mean, somebody I heard somebody talk about how he used to think there was no class issues in Ireland. But genuinely, <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah, think yeah. there were any class issues. It's um, almost people who are middle class say there's no class in <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> check your privilege. Um, um, coming back to the Friends of the Earth poll, though, I think a couple of really positive things in it. One is that the public are very clear on supporting a pause on data centres. Fifty eight percent positive on that which I think is really good oh that's good yeah yeah and then the other one I thought was hilarious is they asked about you know the way um, activists have been deflating SUV tyres to make the point about climate yeah so they asked them about that and so one in five people said the deflation of SUV tyres would make them less likely to buy an SUV and then one in ten said it would make them more likely So I think it's still a win though, right? Because then <laughs> Yeah, I found that one hilarious as well. Like, <laughs> Although the people saying that they're less likely are probably people who wouldn't be buying an SUV. Yeah, I think yeah. a more interesting um, question for that would be like, do you agree with it or disagree with it? Yeah. 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 And the the other I'd one like actually the in, in terms of cutting through the, the propaganda was remember the EPA deleted a tweet about eating yeah. less meat after yes. criticism from the IFA. And 52% of people said the, the EPA were wrong to do that, yeah. that they shouldn't have deleted yeah. their tweet, as opposed to 40% who said they were right. And two in yeah. three people support revising the food pyramid to take into account climate and environmental impacts. Mm. So I think that With that shows... With women being way know, ahead on that as well. Mm. Like four to one um, compared to the men. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, which shows, you know, that like people, despite all the kind of misinformation that's out there, you know, a lot of people do do know uh, and do understand, you know, despite the fact. And think the for fact. themselves. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which just shows if we, you know, if the media were doing their job on it. Um, and for all the, the ills of social media, I think social media plays a big part in that. It does. And, and, and should play a, an even bigger part, you know, because uh, you just can't rely on the media at the moment, like the mainstream media and RT news and stuff. But social media will always, if you go looking for it, will always have the alternative. Yeah. And you hear direct voices from directly from scientists or activists yeah. or people on the ground. Um, that makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Shall we move on then to the the big stories of the week that we didn't have time to look at in depth yeah, and so one is the um, Energy Security Review has just been published, long awaited. Um, the good news is... It's long awaited. Well, it's been long awaited by me, Kira. God, I've been waiting. <laughs> it's been about a year, you know. Can't wait for the weekend. It's like Finally. Christmas has come, you know. <laughs> um, God, what have I turned into? Jesus. <laughs> um, but the good news about it is that it does really emphasize the commitment to renewable energy. However, the bit of bad news that is in there is that there are plans to add new LNG um, to the mix as part of our energy, so-called energy security. So they're talking about a floating LNG terminal being added, um, which is very disappointing, I think, for a lot of people because LNG is really, really polluting. The good news is it's not commercial LNG. It'll be state-owned in some shape or form. But still, it's, um, it's not great to be adding new fossil fuel infrastructure at this point. So Anna, is that kind of a is that so last or a few weeks ago we were talking about how Shannon LNG the the gas terminal in Shannon was refused planning permission. Is this yes. just kind of a workaround to that? No, no that was a commercial not. facility. Okay. Um, now that's being appealed to the High Court, and in light of this security review, they might have a case to say why shouldn't we be able to do it if you're adding LNG? Yeah, yeah. Um, if the state is adding LNG, I don't know. Um, but no, that was commercial and the state has been clear that we're not going to have commercial LNG. That's what Eamon Ryan has been saying. But we're still going to have LNG, which is, you know, no matter whether it's commercial or publicly owned, it's still highly polluting and arguably not necessary for energy security. It's, and the, the reason for it is they're afraid since the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up and we get our gas through two pipelines from the UK, um, which are pretty secure, um, but it's it's in, it's to allow for if anything happens that we okay. have a storage facility um, if anything happens to to those pipelines yeah all right so yeah. I, I, you know I think probably not necessary and a shame to see LNG being brought to Ireland yeah. for the first time yeah for sure because uh, there was a study I don't know if we mentioned that but there was a study that came out a couple of weeks ago that found that uh, fracked gas uh, a lot of which would be what the LNG that we'd be getting in Ireland would be, 
is just as polluting as coal. Uh, When when you take into account the life cycle of it, all the emissions that come out through fracking, all the emissions that come out in transport, it's just as bad as coal. Um, So, and that's something we'll have to watch out for because right now we are there's a moratorium on fracked gas coming into Ireland. But I don't know if you're bringing LNG in from the US, for example. I don't know how you can tell whether it's fracked or not. It's all gas by the time it gets here, you know. So, um, so that's definitely one to watch. See how yes. that starts to shape up. Um, it's some good news. Is it good news that uh, in China uh, emissions are set to peak there next year, um, and then are anticipated to fall? So basically, because China is leading the way with renewable energy because they have so much by way of increased renewable energy capacity that even despite the fact that they're opening new coal plants over there, it's anticipated that um, their emissions will peak next year and start coming down there after. For me, it's kind of I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Well, I mean, the the renewable stuff there is amazing. Now, maybe there's a lot to be said for having an authoritarian government that just you know gets on with things. I don't know, Um, but they have (laughs) their investment in renewables is phenomenal. Like their solar, the solar installation that they've put in this year is twice the total solar capacity of the US. Just this year, just what they put in this year. And like, so, I mean, you have to think that China, China plays a long game, long term strategy, and you have to think they are positioning themselves for the future and they will, you know, be on top of the game Mm. on all this stuff. Um, So it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if, if that does happen, you know, and if their emissions do start coming down from next year, that really does put the onus on other countries I was just going to make yet another point about propaganda there, which is that like we're I think we're built as well to view everything that China says or does with suspicion because <laughs> yeah. we get such American propaganda here that yeah. like we can't really trust them, whatever. And like to go back to the colonial thing again, like India and China are, you know, creating a lot of emissions now from what I'm reading. And the West is kind of, again, to use uh, Vijay Prashad's uh, Indian academic I love. His phrase, you know, is um the the West is wagging the finger again, like you know, mm. but like we've all we've done is just export our emissions over there, like because they're yeah. aren't they they're making they're making American shit for them now, yeah. like and then the American yeah. consumer is buying so and then wags the finger at them. So to be honest with you, lads, I'm trying to get in with the Chinese, and there's a big market over there, like so. Um, <laughs> You're brushing not, up on your Chinese. I'm not going to say anything against them, so uh, let's move on. <laughs> Jeez, next thing you'll be saying good things about Russia, Ty. Who's, no, who's I paying? won't. I, I won't Who's go paying your bill here? <laughs> I won't go that far. You'll need to speak to Mick Wallace about that. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, then let's move on. Uh, <laughs> the next story. Uh, I Do you want to lead in it there, Anna? Because I haven't seen this before. Uh, oh, yeah. The Glenn Peters. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's kind of related to the China and the structural changes there. But um, a leading climate scientist, Glenn Peters, he was pointing out that um, not the outlook, natural gas demands. We were just talking about inputting more gas in Ireland, but the demand for gas has halved in um, in five years. So, so mm. as they look ahead to twenty forty, compared to what when they were looking at it five years ago, they're seeing the demand for gas being half of what it was, which. I think that's very positive and um, hopefully this, you start to see some momentum building on that and we keep reducing that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a great one to see. Um, and do we want... to actions? Or? Yeah, yeah. So then just before we go, um, any actions or events coming up that people want to talk or plug? Tag, I know you had one you wanted to mention. Yeah, so... Um, I, I would just urge anyone listening, um, maybe I don't need to really, because I think, again, propaganda thing, everyone's kind of seeing through a lot of the propaganda and realise that what's going on in Gaza at the moment transcends politics and uh, it's just a humanitarian nightmare and anything that we can do to support the victims of that at the moment, I think we should do. I'm doing a fundraiser on my social media pages, but I don't give a shit if you like support me, just support something and if you can't do it financially 
it's much more important actually to just hit the streets. So I think there's a national mm-hmm. demo coming up. There's demos, local demos every Saturday and uh, amplify, use your voice, use your voice. Because I think I saw a tweet during the week that really struck struck me. It was like, if you ever want to know what you would have done during civil rights or slavery or any other genocide, this is this is what you'd be doing right now, yeah. like whatever it is you're doing. So so um, we won't have this moment in history back again and people are depending on us. So get up off your arse if you can. Yeah, and as so this is going out on Friday, and so tomorrow the eighteenth we've got rallies around the country at one p.m. Dublin there's a big one planned for the Garden of Remembrance, Belfast one p.m. Writers Square, and your hometown Cork Tig one p.m. Yeah. Grand Parade, and there's one in Drogheda as well, and there's there's others all around the country. So um, find the one close to you and get out there if you can. I'll actually be at the Dublin one if anyone's oh, interested cool. in joining me. Yeah, I've got a Cork banner representing Cork. So if there's any people who I don't know defected, about that, Tig. That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> there's lots of people in Cork. There's lots of people from Cork stuck in Dublin, you see. So if you get behind my banner, I'll lead you all the way home at the end. <laughs> Tig, you've good. got a new memoir that's out, haven't you? Oh, thank you, Kira. Can you tell people about it? <laughs> I think we better get you to plug it before we let yeah, you Yeah, thanks a million. Yeah, it's a st- uh, memoir about my alcoholism. It's called A Portrait of the Piss Artist as a Young Man. <laughs> and it's, in, it's in all decent <laughs> bookstores <laughs> uh, at the moment. And uh, you can get it online as well. So yeah, thanks very much for plugging in. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an amazing Christmas stocking It's been getting some very good reviews as well, Tig. So um, congratulations on that. Well, I got a good review in the Irish Times, which is... Bananas Ooh. to me, yeah. Ah, that's propaganda the... now, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to suck that's you in. That's all that work you've been doing with yeah. China. If they're writing something positive about me, guys, yeah, it's got to be a good book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's one more event there. Uh, yeah, no. so there's an event, the climate, the she climate one, is it? The women one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an event, actually, an online event for anyone who can't make anything. It's going back to climate, that old thing. Um, and it's run by an organization called She Climate. So basically what it's doing, it's looking at um, the, I suppose, the, the what is it looking at? Uh, so it's kind of, it's bringing women together so we can kind of, bring female-led solutions, uh, come up with female-led solutions for the climate crisis. So we'll put the link to all the information of that in the bio. Great. Go on, the women. Great stuff. <laughs> all right, that is it for this week's episode. Um, Tyg, thanks so much for joining us. It was great to have you. Yeah, Pleasure. it was great, Tyg. You'll have to come back again. Love it, yeah. It was thanks. lovely. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure. And uh, Kira and Anna, great to have you as always. Dara? We saw you. <laughs> it was great to have you too, Dara. <laughs> and uh, hey, that is... do us a promise and don't be stealing mics off any little girls. Again, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the age it. profile's getting younger. It was a teenager at the start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we better finish this up now. Uh, that is it for this week. Um, if you don't already follow us on social media, you can follow us on. Twitter at the Climate Alarm and on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock. That is it for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. I'm here to talk about climate, not politics.